Welcome back to another episode of the podcast, Ramiumptum Ruminations. My name is Scott, and I'm the host. Today's episode is called, What If the Church is True? Thanks for coming back to listen to another episode. If you find value in this podcast, please consider becoming a monthly recurring donor. Uh, going to ramiumptumruminations.org and hitting the donate button on the right hand side. Greatly appreciate it. If that's not something you're financially able to do, you can consider commenting, liking, and sharing it with other people to spread this to a wider audience. <laughs> All right, before we get going, I know the title of this episode might be inflammatory or uh, might irk some listeners, but bear with me. We're going to get through this. We're going to cover Pascal's wager and we're going to talk about some of the criticisms of it because this sentiment, this phrase is something that those of us that have left the church, we are presented with on occasion. The believers in our life trying to reconcile our choice to leave, they might ask us this question. So it's important to think about it. What if it's true? What if the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints is true? So we're going to talk about what that might mean, and we're going to talk a little bit about Pascal's wager and, and some ways that we might answer this question. So to start this off, I want to talk about um, Pascal's wager, uh, where this sort of an argument of what if it's true, and the implication being like, what if you're wrong? Shouldn't you believe and stay a member of the church anyway? Pascal, or Blaise Pascal, born 1623, died in 1662. He was a French mathematician, and he wrote a work called Pensies, um, which is French for thoughts, and uh, it was published posthumously. He was a mathematician. He applied his mathematical and the way that he thought about the world to religion. And the premise for what Pascal was saying, and again, I'm I'm, I'm not going to dive too deep into this. I'm just going to kind of give a, a brief introduction. The premise of what Pascal was saying was that through reason alone, we can't determine whether God exists or does not exist. So I'm going to read passage from Pensies, which is uh, where this wager comes from. He actually presented a couple of wagers in there, but when people talk about Pascal's wager, this is the one that they're referring to. And he says, God is or he is not. But to which side shall we incline? Reason can decide nothing here. There is an infinite chaos which separated us. A game is being played at the extremity of this infinite distance, where heads or tails will turn up. Which will you choose then? Let us see. Since you must choose, let us see which interests you least. Let us weigh the gain and the loss in wagering that God is. If you gain, you gain all. If you lose, you lose nothing. Wager then, without hesitation, that he is. Pascal sets it up as a coin toss with different probabilities, and he's. I, I skipped some bits in there for an astute listener. He sets it up as a coin toss, basically saying, it could be or it couldn't be, but we have to choose. If you choose to believe, you lose nothing. But if you choose not to believe, you might lose everything. 
the way he sets this up is that a person can either choose to believe in God or choose not to believe in God. And choosing to believe has the potential for infinite gain. If God is real and you choose to believe, then you have eternity for infinite gain. If you choose to believe in God is not real, you do have the potential for small losses where you might abstain from certain behaviors in life, but overall you can still live a good life. So it's not a great loss if you choose to believe and God isn't real. On the, the second option, if you choose not to believe and God is real, you have the potential for infinite loss. The, the next column would be choosing not to believe and then God not being real. You have the potential for no loss. Pascal's wager is, if you choose not to believe, you are potentially setting yourself up for infinite loss. But if you choose to believe, you are setting yourself up for the only loss that you could receive is just a limited loss of this life alone. So that's the basic premise of Pascal's wager. He argues that, that you should choose to believe because it, it sets you up for the least amount of loss in, in an eternal scheme, if you will. That's the basic premise of Pascal's wager. And there's been a lot of people that have criticized it. One of the important ones is... Um, it's referred to as the argument from inconsistent revelations, but basically the idea is that Pascal was, was solely referring to the Catholic version of God. There are, even within Christianity, so many different versions of God that this wager is, is so much more complex than just a simple binary of he exists or he doesn't exist and choosing to believe in him and choosing not to believe in him. There should be multiple categories of believing in this God or that version, this or that version of God. And then you could times that by the number of religions that are out there and then the different versions of those faiths that exist. Making this wager a lot more complicated, the answer of saying yes or no is not really a binary at that point. So that's as much as I'm going to dig into Pascal's wager. So just, you know, to give a, a basic premise of this sort of an idea. When we as post members of the church are confronted with this idea of, you know, what if the church is true? Shouldn't you bet your eternity on it being true rather than potentially giving that all up? What if the church is true? And so that's what that's what these members, these those that love us, those people in our, in our lives that are still believers, when they say this, when they say, what if the church is still true? They're asking this exact same question. What if you're wrong and what if you lose everything? The first thing that I would say is, I, for me, Pascal's wager, presented both by Pascal and both here by this hypothetical believer in our lives that's confronting us with this idea, it falls into the slippery slope fallacy. To illustrate that, I'll explain what the slippery, the slippery slope fallacy is, and then we'll look at Pascal's wager and, and this phrase here to see if it might line up perfectly or not. So the slippery slope fallacy is when the arguer makes a claim that is a chain reaction of sorts. Is when the arguer is making a claim that's a sort of chain reaction, you usually ending in like a dire circumstance or, you know, some big catastrophe or a conclusion that's really uncomfortable. It's a fallacy because there's not enough evidence to show that the assumption in the claim is actually true. 
So the the arguer is asserting that making this one step is a slippery slope that will go all the way to the bottom. And here in this Pascal's wager or, you know, in in this hypothetical believer in our lives, when they're saying, you know, what if it's true, the slippery slope is you'll burn in hell forever or you'll be a TK smoothie for the rest of your life. And if you've never heard of that, Google TK smoothie, just uh, you'll be surprised with what you find. So to give an example of what a slippery slope is, not using not using Pascal's wager, um, then we'll try to apply it to Pascal's wager just to make sure that we're all on the same page with what a slippery slope is. My favorite example of the slippery slope is the children's story that many people are probably familiar with. If you give a mouse a cookie, and this is a children's story that starts out with saying, Look, if you give this mouse a cookie, it's going to want milk and then it's going to need a napkin and then it's going to need a this and a that. The implication of this children's story is that if you start with the one thing, it's inevitably going to lead to this mouse wanting to paint an elaborate picture of its family and sign it with a pen and all of these other things. So this slippery slope fallacy is a series of events that aren't necessarily related to each other, like a and B might happen with each other, but A doesn't necessarily cause B and so forth. This sort of an idea is, you know, if A and then B and then C and then D, well, ultimately it's always going to lead to Z. And the way I look at Pascal's wager, it's saying the same thing. If God exists and you don't believe in him, that means you're going to hell. So it's it's doing the slippery slope straight to the conclusion, jumping past all of these other uncertainties and making a claim that is not really verifiable. And as I said uh, just a minute ago, this argument from inconsistent revelations, that's what this is really talking about. It's saying that Pascal's wager doesn't work because there are so many other unknown variables about God and theology that a simple he, he or she or they exist or they don't exist doesn't really encapsulate the complex idea if there is or isn't a God. So we'll, we'll apply the same slippery slope logic and we'll, we'll um, I want to illustrate just how complex this is, even within just the LDS framework. A loving, well-intentioned person in our lives says to us this phrase, you know, what if you're wrong? What if these doubts are leading you to make the wrong choice? And you're ultimately going to to live the rest of your life. You're going to live in eternity as a TK smoothie. Again, if you've never heard of it, look it up. You're in for a real treat. This is the slippery slope fallacy. There are so many claims within the LDS church that a simple binary of it's true or not true doesn't really satisfy. A simple binary of it's true or false doesn't satisfy that question. So what if it were true? Does that also include eternal polygamy? There were many members of the church that were born and raised and died believing that that was true doctrine inspired by God 
So, what if the church were true? Does that include polygamy? We can complicate it even further. What if the church were true? Does that include the racial ban on the priesthood? Or the racist verbiage in the Book of Mormon? I could, if I were inclined, go through point by point all of my problems with the LDS church and say, you know, what if the church is true? What about this, this or that? And kind of nitpick to the the down and dirty, but I don't want to do that. That doesn't interest me. What I want to do is flip it on its head and say, what if it weren't true? In the softest way possible, for these believers in our lives, when they come at us with these questions, could we say, what if God didn't introduce polygamy to the church? What if that was just something that came from Joseph Smith and Brigham Young? What if God didn't inspire the racial ban on the priesthood? What if that was just a racist ideology from the time of the early church that crept into the practice that really still needs desperately an apology from the church? What if the church is wrong today? What if God didn't inspire the stance on the LGBTQ plus members of the church? What if the church is wrong about these things? As I said, in the kindest way possible, this doesn't mean that a person has to get rid of their faith and stop believing. I hope that it would encourage a nuanced listener or a believing listener to, to look at these things with the same attitude that they're presenting the what if it's true Pascal's wager. My intention with this list, you know, and I really only said three things. I'm not trying to tell someone to believe or not believe. You come to the truth claims of the church wherever you're at. And I, I, for me, belief is a spectrum all the way from, from fully in, no doubts, to fully out, no doubts, that it's not true. So those, those things are kind of nitpicky on the, the truth claims and some of the teachings and doctrines within the LDS faith. This wager of what if God is true, what if God exists, then you should practice the Mormon faith. That is a huge logical leap. The leap, and we'll just list a couple of them. And that's, that's making the assumption that, that the Christian version of God is the, the one true God. That's making the logical leap that the LDS version of this Christian, of this Christian deity is the correct type of God. Then that's also making the assumption that, that the Brighamite branch or whatever branch of the LDS church that you want to, to go down is the correct teaching of this LDS faith and so on and so forth, you know, making the, the conclusions that, oh yes, okay, making the conclusion that the plan of salvation was taught correctly and that eternal salvation and eternal punishment are actual teachings, are actual things that will happen to every person on this planet. Each one of these is a leap of faith that does not have any evidence. I don't say that to tell a person that they can't have faith and that they can't believe in these things. 
But when you present them and say, what if it's true? And if you're trying to use that as a logical argument, each leap of faith required to get from God exists all the way to if I don't get my temple endowment, I'm going to become a TK smoothie in the afterlife. Each one of those leaps of faith to get to that doctrinal conclusion is something that has zero evidence outside of someone's religious convictions. This is why Pascal's wager doesn't work. There are far too many variables for me to have any sort of confidence in any one version of God over another, let alone all of the minute distinctions between every single sect of Christianity. But even the existence of God is, some, is something that can't be proven or disproven. So the wager doesn't work. What if the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints is true? What if it's not? It's a simple retort, but I think it's actually a sufficient response. Thanks for listening to me ramble today. Questions like this are things that many of us face when we first tell our loved ones about our decision to leave, or when we first talk about talk to those nearest us that we're having doubts. I hope that this discussion helps you formulate your own response to this LDS version of Pascal's Wager. Leave a comment of what you might say to a loved one, or maybe what you have already said to a loved one. When they reach out to you and say, what if you're giving up on eternity? I'd love to hear what some of your, of your responses are. So comment on the YouTube or on the website with whatever your responses were or would be to this question. So wherever you find yourself out there, packing up the car for that family summer vacation, hitting the road, I hope that you have an excellent day. <laughs>